This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 1st of March 2023 at home in Wicklow. And it is a discussion of time, memory, the elasticity of time. And the focus for that discussion is my memories of my college days, of a lot of time spent in Dublin back in the day and uh, in the very recent weeks through this time period of rehearsal and performance of the play I'm currently doing and also some memories later in the episode of London um, which were partly prompted by my watching which I will discuss Joanna Hogg's movie The Souvenir so yes that is what's coming up um the sun is shining the sun is shining and it's beautiful okay i don't think there's anything else to add to that um memories college dublin london the souvenir um yeah and a couple of a couple of uh a couple one if not a couple of wellness tips at the end all right I'll see you around the corner. Cheers. Not gonna change my mind. Leaving the dream behind. Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to the Clear Out. How are you? How's it going for you right now? Take a beat, check in with yourself. I'll wait. That was it. That was the beat. Did you get any answers? Did you get any clarity? I, I I confess I'm feeling rather weary. <laughs> this um this show that I'm doing at the moment, which is is it's very enjoyable and I think it's a really good piece of work, but I do feel rather drained by the by the effort. It's an intense little piece and it's enjoying a short uh, but, but very popular run it's completely sold out uh, which is nice and that um, yeah I think that's that's speaks to the the reputation of the company Broken Talkers well done lads well done Phelan well done Gary uh, well done Rachel um, and everyone else involved really nice crew of people and uh, of course the the guys up on stage with me um Fionn and Toby and Ben and myself and of course Phelan's there as well so uh, yeah it's um, it's happening and I, I find myself <laughs> I find myself wrecked the day after the show no big deal lads everyone relax everyone relax I'm just saying I'm just saying but that's also because it's I think it's the habit of many actors um the way you manage your energy when you know you're gonna to have to punch hard for an hour or two or, or three for some unfortunates who are in like particularly long pieces <laughs> and i pity the audience as well but you're trying to manage your energy so it peaks at performance time um so there's a sort of a, a surrender to low energy during the day that's uh, that's certainly been my habit over the years when i've had work had acting work anyway grand 
Um, so today's episode, today's episode, somehow it's going to be connected to the elasticity of time. And I should have written down, I had a little insight. <laughs> I had a little insight earlier today and I thought, oh yeah, 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 that's that's quite a good little, that's quite a good little kernel out of which to grow this episode of the podcast. And it's gone. <laughs> I didn't write it down. I should have. And yeah, that, that, that's a good idea in general. Um, and I think for, for many people, for many different reasons, it's a good idea to write things down and creative people, writers, etc., jotting down ideas constantly that's a that's um that seems to be a good habit and i'm i'm trying to counsel myself to take up that habit and it's not because my ideas are so wonderful but simply because i i seem to be forgetting <laughs> forgetting so many of them i forget them as soon as they've they've appeared um yeah and that's i i don't i, I don't fear that i'm having early onset dementia or anything like that it's uh it's fatigue it's it's stress it's the brain wandering to other areas of concern um but yeah i will try to through the course of this episode i will try to to summon summon the that idea um i i mean I, i i i know what the idea is but I did have it attached to a specific experience. Um, and I'm just trying to remember what that is. That's that's the part that's annoying me. Anyway, the, the elasticity of time is in the mix there. And it's connected to experiencing things for the first time, I think. And the the rate of digestion. Anyway, to this. To this, I will return um yeah so part of the the sort of pinballing of this episode is going to bounce between it's going to bounce between a couple of cities a couple of cities close to my heart and they would be dublin and london baby and because i've been traveling up and down to Dublin uh, very frequently over the duration of this show for rehearsals and now for performance purposes. It's the most time I've spent in Dublin on a regular basis in a very long time, a very long time. And I've been enjoying it enormously. Dublin City is a is a place I'm very familiar with and spent a lot of time in in my in my mid to late 20s particularly and um, it was a very exciting time in this young man's life Uh, young man as I was then uh, not as I am now thanks very much and it's it's a very evocative thing to do to spend time in a city later in life uh having spent a lot of time in it younger in life uh, it's it's a constant 
brushing up against memories. It's a constant bumping into ghosts of your younger self. And it's... It, it is slightly haunting, not in a, a chilling or sinister way, um, but in a slightly unsettling way. It's full of it's full of kind of emotional echoes. And I find myself. I find myself sort of walking beside my younger self and having flashes of my younger self striding down are running along Dublin streets um, running usually on my way to catch public transport back down to back down to Wicklow um, I have one rather uncomfortable memory of, of wearing two short shorts and some sort of dubious outdoor sandal kind of things Um and a t-shirt maybe and bumping into bumping into friends outside a venue <laughs> and they were looking they were all dolled up to go for a night out and um i was looking like a some sort of page boy courier <laughs> and i i i shudder i shudder sometimes to remember um what i gave myself permission to step out in <laughs> over over the years and um yeah yeah asher listen what what can you do what could i have done i could have had a a look at myself in the mirror once or twice maybe um but in any case yeah it's it has it has been very nice to be um yeah to be just kind of walking the streets of dublin um often late at night on my on my way back on my way back to my car before i hit the road south for the the hour long drive home into the the dark roads the dark roads of rural wicklow but cities cities at night there's a there's an atmosphere um i mean barring ill luck you know an atmosphere of of peacefulness um so staying away from rowdier corners uh, staying away from the revelers if you will and yeah there's just a that kind of sleepiness that that cities take on the quietness of the buildings um but dublin's actually it's actually a very it's a very attractive city and i i think this is the first time in my life I'm really, truly appreciating that. Just looking at the these buildings from, I suppose, largely speaking, a lot of these buildings would be um, 18th and 19th century, uh, but really well-built uh, classical buildings of that time. And... Whoever's responsible for their upkeep has has done has done a good job, and they're they're well illuminated at night, um, and yeah, it's just it's just nice. It's just nice walking walking around College Green, for example, and taking in the Bank of Ireland building, which I didn't know, but that used to be the 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 home of the Irish Parliament, um, presumably in the kind of colonial days. 
before we had uh, on Doyle. Um, and for some reason, the, the you know the Doyle, which is the, the government house now, I always think of the the back entrance, which is over near Merrion Square, and not the the front entrance, which is which is what is that Kildare Street? Um, but yeah, great great buildings. Um, and I've t- just because of my own particular route back to my car, uh, I walked through Trinity College at night. Now I was as a, as a student. As a university student, I was always scathing, <laughs> scathing of, of Trinity students. I found them utterly unbearable and obnoxious. Um, I, yeah, I, I've always had a great ability to, to find, to locate the, um, the, 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 the sort of deserving figures of, of my hate and vitriol. Um, so if it's not uh, real estate agents and uh, hipsters, um, at one point it was Trinity College students, uh, many of whom I could you know call my friends and relations even. <laughs> but um, but Trinity College, from an architectural point of view, is really it's really lovely. It's lovely to walk through, and it's lovely to kind of go, wow, this is in the the centre of the city. Um, yeah. And then, of course, as a you know, as a as a storied institution of of, of education, of learning, of knowledge, um, of curiosity, it's um, it's got that energy. It's got that energy, and you're walking amongst young students, eager beavers, just setting out on their journey of 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 what. I suppose it is a journey of of early maturation. I certainly remember my college days with enormous affection, enormous, <laughs> enormous affection and foolishness um, and naivety and and learning, um, and that that to me was always the great time. Something I never hesitated to to say to young students when I was you know the, the various times I've worked as a teacher uh, this idea of your childhood and your school days being the happiest days of your life I was always like no way I, I, I couldn't I couldn't have disagreed more um, it's that first taste of independence I mean I'm sure I've banged on about this before in other episodes but that sense of of liberation and of independence and of being left to your own devices and being master of your own course, so to speak, um, and having the freedom to to fraternize with whomever you you know whomever you wanted, whomever you so desired, and to bump up against hundreds, thousands of other similarly liberated young people striking poses and finding their way in the young world um and coming across to my memory an awful lot of enthusiasm (laughs) and happiness and excitement and mischief and confidence um and i know Generally, you can say, yeah, that, that, that's what you call being 19, 20, 
21. It's what you call being young. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think, I mean, what the Oscar Wilde quote is, youth is wasted on the young. But I don't feel it was wasted at all. I feel so many people, I, you know, so many people I remember, there just seemed to be a real, a, a, a sense of, this is great. It's great to be here. It's great to be here doing this. It's great to be here not going to lectures. It's great to be here being a really diligent student. It's great to be here falling in and out of relationships. It's great to be here with this, you know, in the in the bubble, in the, the bubble um, of scholarly fraternity and sorority, I suppose. Um, and dipping toes in the various clubs and societies and you know certainly for me and I, I I got into college quite young I was only 17 and I certainly would have if I'd had the confidence or the the vision I probably would have benefited enormously from not going straight into university and having a year or two to I don't know to work to travel travel I never had that travel book it wasn't I didn't have the the gap year fever but I certainly would have benefited in terms of the the application I would have brought to bear on my studies because my studies were were always relegated they were down the list and like if I was to say right now what did I take away from university um my my very low scoring degree would be quite low down the list um but doing plays being in the you know the acting society the drama society the rossian players as it as it was as it was called i don't know if it still has that name but um that was the name of the the drama society in maynooth university where i went um so that would have been, you know, high on my list. Karate ended up being high on my list because I started karate there in university. Um, swimming. There was this lovely, lovely kind of scuzzy, dirty, <laughs> mossy, slimy old swimming pool in Maynooth where I improved as a swimmer. And I had lots of good memories of swimming there and showering in their little stall cubicles which were above the swimming pool um on a sort of a mezzanine level um but it was it was like a it was like an old i don't know how to describe it really it was old <laughs> it was old and it wasn't in particularly great shape but that's where maynooth swimmers trained and maynooth water polo players uh trained um and my good friend owen was was amongst them and it, it was he who sort of gave me a few tips and helped me improve as a as a lane swimmer so swimming was in the mix um so what's that drama swimming karate um athletics i ran i ran a bit of track for the university um we had an embarrassingly small athletics team um and a complete absence of any real facilities, no track, um, 
but I did fall in with that crew and attend a few InterVarsity meets. Um, so that was in the mix as well. And then it was really girls, <laughs> girls and, and friends. Um, and the studies are just so way, 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 way below those priorities. Um, and it, it wasn't that I didn't want to do well or didn't care, but my plate was full. My plate was full with all those other things that I was doing. And there was just so much to divert and so much to amuse and entertain and be distracted by and fascinated by and girls to obsess over um, and relationships uh, to be had and yeah in my case virginity to be lost Um, (laughs) so that whole adventure was unfolding and and for me, the, the probably one of the things that set me aside from many of my contemporaries um, was a complete abstinence from drug taking um, or alcohol, because those things just weren't they weren't on my radar. I had no interest. I hadn't developed any interest in those things um, at any point. Um, up till then and not for some years afterwards as it happened I mean never you know drugs have never featured I I slowly started taking a drink in my um, my mid 20s 26 27 that sort of age Um, and I've continued on that sort of a little bit every now and again Um, with occasional blowouts let's let's be fair let's not be coy about this Um, one monstrous monstrously drunken night um the around the time i got engaged to my wife (laughs) so deliriously happy was i no drink was refused (laughs) much to my regret the next day when we were driving across the wicklow gap to visit friends um and the car had to be stopped stop the car stop the car lads and i uh yes I unburdened myself in the in 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 the bushes. Um, now that would be via via my mouth. Thanks very much. But oh my goodness, that was one memorable one. And another very memorable memorable one was a big night out in Melbourne, um, courtesy of my my cousin Cormac's generosity. Um, it, was a, it was a football celebration. We'd won our league, and Cormac was in a position to take us all for a night out and I just drank a huge amount of whiskey and I think I needed a release <laughs> but I think that's the the most drunk I've ever been um yeah and the most hungover consequently uh, as well true true alcohol poisoning um but yes uh Good times, good times in in Maynooth. Um, I don't know where that started. How the hell did I get, end up in university? Why did I go there to that place? I, yeah, I, 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 I've lost my connective tissue. But, oh yeah, that's right, yeah, the whole Trinity thing. Trinity, Maynooth, 
Maynooth was 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 my was my place, and a smaller, cozier, less less storied but less pretentious um, institution. I would argue then, maybe also now, uh, Maynooth is quite a lot bigger now than it was then. Uh, Maynooth University, um, but I had such a good time there. Oh, I forgot to mention the outdoor pursuits club. <laughs> Outdoor pursuits, it sounds like it could be a little bit racy, a little bit indelicate, politically incorrect. But no, the Outdoor Pursuits Club was, of course, about hiking and walking and caving and things like that. And some of my very good friends were involved in that. Shout out to Owen again and Leo and Ray and others. Um, So that was also also there. But, yeah, again, to come back to this idea of the revisiting, the revisiting of places and what that, what that reminds us of and the, the emotional memories. And often I think the, the shaping memories. Now, I don't know if this is just someone um i'm in my my 50th year and that doesn't that that means i'm 49 heading for 50 so i don't know if this is a very sort of midlifey nostalgia that i'm indulging in i'm very i'm very wary of that i did an episode on nostalgia ages ago and i i think you know i i don't have any issue whatsoever with recalling positive memories, um, revisiting memories and going, oh yeah, I remember, I remember how I was at that time. I don't mind that at all. I'm not, I'm not challenged by that. I am wary of an indulgent sentimentality. Um, the, the old rose tinted glasses, um, because I just think it in, there's something a little bit, too too maudlin and too wet and I think there's always potential when you do that to open the door to regret um, and to I suppose to sully um, or relegate your current place um, but I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate that, that there's a natural aspect to that as well. And it's probably part of, it's probably part of getting a little bit older. It's probably part of being a little bit jaded, perhaps. I mean, these are things I, you know, I, I challenge in myself. I don't challenge getting older. I'm, I don't have a, a Peter Pan complex or anything like that. Um, I do obviously try to, to stay well and healthy Um fit uh that's part of my sort of my own wellness regime my own wellness coping strategy um and i certainly aspire to to maintain that and keep that as part of my my regimen as i as i continue and i'm saying that knowing that relax you know i'm 49 i'm not 79 so you know chill the bones um 
a friend of mine just turned turned 50 at the weekend happy birthday alfie if you're listening probably not another you know one of the one of the many one of the many non-listeners one of the many non-listeners they do not listen they do not know how perhaps they'll listen now (laughs) perhaps they won't perhaps they won't but uh that might be my new my new anthem um anyway as my friend as my friend alfie said 50 is the new 40 and i guess in 10 years time 60 will be the new 50 and and on we'll go and on we'll go um but on saturday night last after our opening night of the show um i had a a friend of mine in to see the show an actor friend of mine um and that was a, a an overdue catch up which was really nice and i also as it happened by coincidence a couple of people i'd worked with 22 years ago uh when i was working with team i spent a year um <laughs> i spent a year i did two tours with a team educational theater company um under the direction of the um uh, inimitable <laughs> martin murphy great character altogether and um i also in that time i met uh, an actor and i don't know if he was directing at that time but uh, mark o'brien um who as it happens is now the co-artistic director of the 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 abbey theater the national theater here in ireland and i hadn't seen those guys for yeah as i say yeah i think it was about 22 years since i'd seen mark i had bumped into martin here and there um he he was the artistic director at the pavilion theater in dunleary for a while so just brilliant brilliant to see those guys and we were just commenting on how how long it had been and how short that time had seemed so yeah 20 22 years gone by uh with you know like a like a, a finger click and yet so much has been packed into that time and that that's you know we were having the conversation about the the elastic nature of time um and it's it's a bit of a head melter at times when you're sitting there with a couple of people you haven't seen for so long and yet you feel like if you just looked over your shoulder you'd still be there um 20 odd years younger doing what you were doing um it's 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 a it is it is surreal um and yet what does the brain do like what does the brain do it 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 compartmentalizes i suppose um like talking talking about my memories of college a little bit a little bit before i've had experiences with friends people i was in college with going oh do you remember such and such do you remember this person that person and i'm like no i don't i just so many blank spots but then those people will come back to me with a vivid snap and I go oh yeah that person like maybe a week or two later having after having them been mentioned previously and I have this 
I don't know if if, if <laughs> the way I sorry the way I think about you know my my brain and and memory and trying to uh, remember things. I I try to just relax and go. Those memories they're in there somewhere. <laughs> they're in there somewhere, and they'll come back at some point. Um, and I won't worry about it. I won't stress about it. Um, because it's, they're hardly worth stressing over, are they? But I do believe, I do believe they're in there. Um, so it, it's strange what the what the brain chooses to prioritize, and I suppose that's largely connected to what we're focused on in our lives at any given time, and that can be a combination of the external and the internal focus. So the external focus, of course, can just be the the mundane goings-on of our everyday commitments and obligations, whether it's work, family, um, the financial commitments, um, whatever, whatever it may be, very logistical and practical stuff and internally we could be focusing on on very different things and very different um very different sort of impulses very different stimuli very different anchors very different yearnings um you know a myriad of 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 possible internal dynamics going on where our brain drifts to um and i've certainly found spending this time in dublin i I was saying it to my saying it to my wife um this morning the spending time in dublin just from i have so many memories of she and i uh when when we first met and how we met and the time we spent together and getting to know each other um, and how much of our how much of our kind of the, the early years of our relationship uh, were connected to time spent in Dublin you know gigging or, or doing plays or socialising or, or whatever different places my wife lived um, and those those are very vivid memories and some of the <laughs> some of the, 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 the yeah some of the loveliest memories of of our time together um which which i i remember with enormous enormous affection um and oh my oh my such changes <laughs> such changes after after 22 years together um and so be it so be it that's life um but that i I mean that can be that can be confronting as well to go okay okay where has this journey where has this journey brought us and um i I, i'm going to stop myself i'm going to stop myself before i incriminate myself or indict the relationship that's not really where I want the focus to be today. Um, uh, you know, all relationships as as ever, as ever, a work, a work in, in progress. Um, uh, 
But yeah, Dublin, I I just kind of go, Jesus, I, I, I have such, such affection for, for that city. I love it. And I love being in and amongst it and walking those streets um, and hearing those voices. Uh, and I love how Dublin has become more diverse. I love seeing different faces and people of color, uh, which is a phrase I don't love, but I guess that is the that is the kind of the given phrase, people of different ethnicities um but who are clearly uh clearly of dublin or of ireland i passed um who you know i passed someone who looked like they were chinese the other night and i I could hear him on his phone and he was just speaking in 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 such a recognizable dublin accent i was like all right yeah brilliant (laughs) and it's such a contrast it's such a contrast to the, the Ireland that I grew up in in the in the eighties. Um, it was so, I suppose, so monocultural um, in terms of ethnicity. Of course, there was always this kind of tension between the sort of the 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 Anglo colonial history and the kind of occupied history and the the legacy of that with the the rest of. Um, the Irish population and, and that kind of tension always felt quite quite palpable um, but it was you know if you're talking about a, a, a colour palette facially ethnically it was 99.9% white I guess um, the, the, the handful of, of black people seemed to be known to everyone Oh yeah, that's that's Black Dave. All right, okay, cool. Um, that is no longer the case, and there's a there's there just feels like a vibrant multiculturalism um, that's present present um, all around Dublin, and I guess ar- around the rest of the country to a to a to a lesser extent. But that is, I just think it's fantastic. It just feels like yeah, this is this is a country growing up. Um, and you know that that might seem like a strange thing to say when you think, well, no, Ireland's not a young country, but post-colonial Ireland is a young country. Um, I mean, barely it's barely a hundred years since the War of Independence, um, and Ireland as an officially fully kind of sovereign state, the republic. Um, it's still less than that and the the repercussions and legacies of colonialism are i think are still very uh present so that evolution continues and that maturation as a, a sovereign state um and an autonomous state that's still going on and to look at the political classes there's there's much work to be done um, in asserting that autonomy and sovereign identity, uh, asserting it in the service of the people with really um, decisive and long-term visionary sort of socialist um, structures 
Um, and when I say that, I, 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 I'm referring to healthcare and education and housing primarily. Um, yeah, so yeah, our, our inability to make those things easily accessible, affordable, um, stable, I think that is still part of this post-colonial legacy and a lack of confidence um, to just make things right. Um, yeah, anyway, that's a digression. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to steer it back. Now, I did say I was going to talk about London as well. And one of the reasons I want to talk about London is because I just finished watching Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir, uh, which is a movie that the, that Joanna Hogg directed in, I think, 2020 or was it 2019. Um, you can see it on Netflix if you have Netflix, as many of you do, no doubt. And I, it was a movie that I hadn't seen that I'd heard many film critics and film podcasts refer to as one of the great films of, of the year uh, in which it came out. And I came home on... Saturday night was it Saturday night or Friday night uh, maybe Sunday night you know Sunday night yeah Sunday we had a day off had a really nice day on Sunday um, took my daughter for a swim in a swimming pool dropped in to see my folks uh, came home to watch football and my beloved Spurs beat the hated Chelsea 2-0 Chelsea have been a long been a bogey team for Spurs. Um, often they often beat us. Um, yeah. Oh, anyway, <laughs> the pain, the pain it causes me. Anyway, we beat them. It was absolutely brilliant. It was just delightful, delightful. And then um, we, my daughter and I, my wife, we went out and had a bit of dinner in uh, the local pub, which was lovely. Just a really nice day. And I just felt like sitting down to watch something. I haven't been watching much during the rehearsal period and all the rest. So I thought, yeah, let's watch something kind of entertaining. Really what I wanted was comfort food. And I saw the souvenir and thought, oh yeah, cool. I'll watch this. And it's not comfort food. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I recognized straight away oh, this is a very accomplished film. This is very, this is, a, this is a very individual vision and it's incredibly disciplined in its filmmaking. Um, but I had, to, I had to turn it off after 45 minutes. It was just, it was too rigorous and serious and kind of tense. Um, and it just, it just felt, the, for the mood I was in, it just felt too much like homework. Um, which is a terrible slight uh, on on the movie and it's not what I intend at all but it does reflect the mood I was in so I switched that off and I rewatched once the John Carney film from 2007 which was a, a sort of a, a sleeper hit this little charming musical um low-key kind of musical set in Dublin um, which famously if you're Irish famously won the 
Best Original Song Oscar um, at the Oscars uh, the, the, the following spring uh, for a song written by Glenn Hansard and Marketa Iglova, who were the two leads in the film. And they had a song called Falling. Lovely song, actually. Um, and, yeah, Once is absolutely charming. And, I mean, I remember enjoying it at the time and then not really thinking much about it again. But maybe because I'm on this Dublin nostalgia trip at the moment, I really, really enjoyed it. And thought it was just lovely. Uh, Glenn Hansard, who's been plying his trade as a singer-songwriter, um, as a solo artist and in his band The Frames for, God, years and years now. He's actually a really nice actor. And it was a lovely, charming kind of chemistry between him and uh, Marketa Iglova. And just, yeah, just a very, <laughs> just a lovely, a lovely little movie that captures Dublin at a particular time. Um, just before the the sort of global crash, um, so kind of just probably post peak Celtic Tiger, um, and just this lovely um, sympathetic portrait of people on the fringes, um, a musician in one case and an immigrant in the other case, and looking at yeah life on the life on the fringes, life with very little to no money. And it was lovely. And special mention to the the da. And this is, you know, maybe it's particularly resonant at the moment because I'm doing this play all about masculinity and boys and fatherhood is a big it's a big theme in the in the play that we're doing. Um but the actor who played Glenn Hansard's father in um in Once was absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant and i mean i'm i'm actually i'm looking up his name at the moment because i didn't know the actor and i haven't remembered his name um but he was just effortlessly brilliant and believable as a dublin dad of a certain generation bill hodnett bill hodnett and he just has a couple of little scenes throughout the film and he's just this unflappable uh, kind of widow figure who runs this Hoover repair, repair shop with his son, played by Glenn Hansard. Um, and a Hoover, for the uninitiated, is a vacuum cleaner. I remember having that in Australia. I had friends coming over and I said, oh, hold on, I'm, I'm just hoovering. And they're like, you're what? I said, uh, yeah, vacuuming. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but in any case... At the end of the movie, there's a scene where Glenn Hansard plays his father on a tape cassette, one of his songs, and they're just listening to it in this little kitchen. And the dad's just there saying nothing. And the song ends, and Glenn Hansard says, well, what do you think? And he's kind of nervous looking. And the dad's like, that is fucking brilliant. <laughs> and it's just lovely. And they just have this lovely little scene, and I was in tears because... Any scenes, any nice scenes between dads and sons always get me. Uh, historically, they've always gotten me. Um, so, for example, when Joaquin Phoenix kills Richard Harris in Gladiator, that doesn't get me because it's not a nice scene. It's a horrible scene. It's effective and chilling and it gets me in that way. 
but I'm not moved to tears. Um, but a scene like the there's a great scene in it's a twenty four seven. Um, I've spoken about this before. Bob Hoskins as a homeless guy, he becomes a boxing coach and he becomes a sort of a father figure to one of the one of the young fellas he's he's coaching. And there's a scene between them that left me in bits. That's 20 years since I've seen that. Um, and then also, I quite like that scene at the end of Call Me By Your Name between Timothy Chalamet and Michael Stuhlbarg. Um, again, just this lovely fatherly advice. Just a really, yeah. I mean, I've heard people kind of go, that's a bit of an idealized version. But look, let's, you know, that's grand. That's grand. You know, we can get a bit sniffy sometimes about these scenes. Go, no, that's a bit too perfect. Well, you know, sometimes parents can do that. They can say the right thing. They can step into that role and access something and recognize this is the moment or have something on tap that's of enormous significance to the beautiful young people that they've produced. Um, So anyway... And this scene in Once wasn't wordy or overwritten. It was beautifully played, very nice, very judicious. Um, and yeah, I was, in, <laughs> I was in ribbons watching it. Anyway, also more Dublin stuff in, in, in Once. And yeah, that, that ends with Glenn Hansard heading off to, to London, London town. Um, so... I came back to the souvenir last night and finished watching it and yeah it it's really it's really stayed with me since finishing it and it features a couple of great performances by Honor Swinton Byrne and she is the daughter of Tilda Swinton and shock horror Tilda Swinton's daughter is good at acting um and it also features uh the actor Tom Burke who I've only seen two other things he was in he was in David Fincher's Mank playing Orson Welles um, and that was fine Um, and he was also in The Wonder uh, another Netflix film which was uh, put out there at the end of last year with Florence Pugh in kind of post-famine Ireland um, I don't know if I spoke about that one before but Tom Burke is in that with a flawless Irish accent um, but then with a name like Burke and I saw his middle name is Liam there must be some strong Irish connections there but he is a very interesting screen presence uh, with his big dark eyes and his he's got a hair lip um, but a great kind of stillness and yeah, the I mean fundamentally the film is I, I believe it's quite autobiographical. I, I don't know if that's entirely fair, but it's sort of depicting a version of Joanna Joanna Hogg's experience as a film student in the early eighties in London and this dodgy relationship she found herself in. Um and to speak to the the aesthetic of the film, I'll just repeat what I said earlier about the the sort of the discipline and the the willingness of the director 
to not give the viewer too much and the camera often is, is quite far back not always because you know there's, there's close-ups and you know intimate scenes and but often these very kind of poised scenes um where the camera's quite far back and just observing very neutrally and not not directing us to to follow a particular narrative or perspective um and so there's a sort of a a chilliness to that at times um and the sort of low-key muted naturalistic playing of of the cast means at times it's almost got a a, a sort of a, a documentary feel to it kind of a realist cinema feel to it cinema verite or whatever um and yeah a pacing that's not looking for it's not really looking for easy drama or or sort of you know visual or verbal diversion um really really interesting and very very believable um and if you haven't seen it just check it out i'm not going to give away any of the plot points um but so yeah so yeah i mean i think worth all the praise it has received and uh there there is a sequel which continues her story um which seems to also have been reviewed very well um but amongst other things what the film reminded me of was my memories of London when I was a kid because my maternal grandmother lived in London. Um, she moved over there after the end of her, her marriage, uh, I guess in the, the 60s because my, my, my mother was over there with her as well. And that's, that's where my grandmother remained for the rest of her life. So as children, we used to visit London regularly, um, which I always thought was fantastic. And London, to me, always had very particular smells, um, very particular associations, um, a very particular atmosphere. And in the in the movie The Souvenir, the, the central character lives in a very nice apartment in Knightsbridge. Uh, my grandmother was in West London, in Ladbroke Grove. It wasn't as swish as Knightbridge, but it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And she lived on a one of these lovely residential streets, with lots of trees, wide streets. Um, and yeah, I just, there was a smell. That's often what I remember first is a, a smell. I don't know if it was a combination of classic kind of urban smells of, <laughs> of bins, of, um, of, of leaves, fallen leaves. I always remember walking on fall, fallen leaves on the footpaths and, the smells of of cars um and maybe then more specifically you know the smells in my my grandmother's apartment which would have been a combination of maybe maybe her perfume cigarettes um flowers uh but again and i've spoken about this ages ago the color palette of my childhood the color palette of the 80s and whatever was happening in poptastic America that didn't really translate to Ireland 
<laughs> I always feel Ireland. I mean, I did my best. I, I famously had a, well, famously within my family, I had a, a zoot suit, which uh, of course was what the the kind of outsized kind of African-American uh, style outfit, urban wear, probably uh, kind of brilliantly essayed by Spike Lee in the early scenes of Malcolm X when Spike Lee and Denzel Washington are striding across the, the street with these wide-brimmed hats and super colourful suits. I think later they were sort of associated with pimps, if I'm not mistaken. Um, anyway, I had a, a multicoloured stripy trouser and pants um, trouser and pants pants and jacket number which I used to wear um, that was my zoot suit that was my bit of colour but otherwise I remember the 80s as kind of brown grey drab and London fit that bill as well um, and something about the way John Hogg uh, I can't remember who the director of photography was in that movie but it, it captured it tapped into that as well um, kind of a dampened down palette which fits with my memories of of London as well. Um, so, but I've always had that positive association with going over to visit my grandmother, um, with various of my brothers and my mother, typically, until I was old enough to go over by myself, um, and ultimately then uh, lived in London briefly after I left acting school. Um, for well for about six months or so before returning to Ireland um but yeah London again you know the the architecture the diversity the iconic the iconic monuments buildings museums parks um the tube of course and you know places like Again, because I was in, you know, visiting Ladbroke Grove so much, places like um, Notting Hill and um, Portobello Road, uh, all around there, just I don't know. It just felt we always felt very comfortable there, and still, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to to visit London since we came back from Australia. But um, yeah. It's still, it's. I still always find it a great place to 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 visit. Um, yeah. Anyway, the the idea then to return to this idea of the elasticity of time. I think it's there's something in the mix of this about when we first encounter something and the the task the task at hand of how our being kind of consumes or assimilates the information um and again i i haven't been able to bring it back i had i had something specific connected to this theory um to to kind of pin it on uh, which which i've forgotten but it's i think the connection is with new things new things at a certain point in your life and how they can dominate the internal landscape and how they can 
dominate what your your brain has you know latches onto and finds fascinating and and stimulating um and that that can that can only happen once things can only be new once um and i guess as we get older and this is i think this becomes habitual i think this becomes a form of received wisdom but as we get older we have an assumption that there's there's nothing new to see there's nothing new to to learn there's nothing new to be impressed by um and we sort of surrender to a certain a certain fatigue a certain cynicism um a certain whatever feeling and I think that's I think that's a trap. I think it's lazy. I think it's it can be disingenuous and I think to to an extent <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to overstate this so I'm qualifying it with to an extent it's it's self-harming. And it's certainly it's certainly self-depriving because I think if we if we shut ourselves off from the possibility that there is more to inspire us and more to stimulate us the way we were when the when the world was still young <laughs> when the world was still new when the oyster hadn't been explored fully um the we're 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 really we're really missing a trick we're really missing a trick and it's someone sent me a, a little meme the other day and it was just a photograph of a robin on a branch and there was a, a maya angelou quote at the bottom of the of the picture and i'm going to paraphrase it because i don't remember it exactly but but simply the sentiment was like oh what a lovely day i haven't seen this day before and I just thought, oh, that's that's actually fantastic. <laughs> now you might cringe and go, no, it's not fantastic. It's just naff. It's just another, you know, it's another bloody, you know, quick, quick hit of something cute on the internet. But the sentiment, the sentiment is absolutely 100% right. You haven't seen this day before. It's not possible to have seen this day before. Because you haven't been here before. And I've referred to this before, but to bring to bring to bring something over from the world of martial arts, can you entertain the idea of beginner's mind? Beginner's mind when there's a combination of humility and curiosity. Because that's a great combination. Now you don't have to be naive. You don't have to be a, a you know a, a a dupe, or a, yeah, <laughs> um, a sucker as they say. Um, but beginner's mind, that combination of humility and curiosity, a willingness to learn, an openness to being surprised, and an acceptance that you haven't seen it all. That there's more to come. 
that your your cup of knowledge isn't full and you never want it to be full you never ever want it to be full you want to just keep letting that tip out overflow and make room for for more to come in and that's a in a wellness context i think that's a very healthy place to be where you're sitting into the receptive brain um and receiving what's there rather than trying to control what's there um i think that's an important distinction um to and you know it's a very accepting state of mind i'm just going to receive this and yeah to to borrow from the sort of meditative um zen-ish vernacular i'm going to observe and i don't have to rush in with with judgment i don't have to rush in with the frame i can just let it be what it is and the this kind of surreality this phenomenon of perceiving time as elastic sometimes it's 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 moving at a rate of knots and sometimes it's glacial and sometimes those things are happening at the same time somehow again i think embrace the receptivity and maybe maybe bear in mind this idea at different times the the digestion process the digestive process is is happening at a different at a different rate sometimes sometimes um i don't know sometimes it's candy floss sometimes it's a steak and these some things take longer to to go through the system and i i I like this idea of the assimilation of an experience of knowledge of something that we're attracted to drawn to stimulated by that we want to sort of consume um and i I don't want to say not embody but sort of take into ourselves um to you know to better appreciate it um and i think when something really substantial is is what we're trying to take in that that takes longer and i think that's what that that can slow time down um and when it's new that's a larger experience and then it's no longer new and when you return to that experience it's it's like a montage and it's like the videotape on fast forward or or on fast rewind I know some people are going, what's a videotape? Um, old technology for the, the younger listener, okay? Anyway, look, I'm, um, I, I, I don't feel that was a very particularly satisfactory resolution there, but it's the best I can do with the weary brain I'm, I'm utilizing today. So I, I make no apologies. <laughs> Okay, so that's it. That was a bit of Dublin, a lot of Dublin, a bit of London, and a bit of Joanna Hogg's very interesting, thought-provoking, 
um, quite powerful, actually, uh, the souvenir, which if you haven't seen it, do, do go and check it out. Um, Honor Swinton Byrne channeling, physically, she's kind of a combination of Rebecca Hall and Winona Ryder and a very, a very unfussy performance, um, very, very natural and quite lovely. And uh, yeah, Tom Burke, very impressive as well. Anyway. All right. So look, that's it. That's it. Um, I don't know if this was an elastic experience for you, if the podcast went by very fast or abominably slowly. But we are at the end. And if you want to give me a shout out on social media, please do. If you want to rate the podcast wherever you listen to it, please do a review throw some comments, share it, um, subscribe. You can do all of that wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can find it across social media, um, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. If you want to support the podcast, financially that is, you can make a big fat donation using the supporter link um, if you're listening through the Acast player. Um, Or if you want to be a regular contributor and Throw me the the price of a, a cup of coffee, or uh, I don't know I don't know what else is around that price. Um, a couple of bars of chocolate, a couple of star bars. Uh, you can do that using the Patreon link, um, and that would be a, a monthly contribution via Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash the clear out. I would love that. I would love that. Um, but I, I you know any response, any level of engagement is always welcome. So. Don't hesitate. Follow a positive impulse. That's another one of my little wellness touchstones. Somebody I follow on social media was asking that question. Like, how, you know, what, I can't remember what it was. How do you know when you're well? Or what do you do when you're well? And we are feeling most comfortable with yourself. And my answer was and continues to be, I follow a positive impulse without fear of judgment or uh, recrimination so that's that's how I know I'm in a good good space when you can follow that positive impulse and put something out there and do it in a way that is without fear without being neurotic without being paranoid without being suspicious of the the backlash the sneer the cynical the cynical sneer of disdain. Um, yeah, step into that space. Step into the light if you can. And if you can't, you know, if you're grand, <laughs> sit down, relax, read a book, turn your back on the world for the day because that's also allowed. Do you know what I mean? It's fine. It's fine. This whole front-facing, best foot forward, some days you just need to give that a rest. Give it a rest, lads, okay? It's okay to mind yourself. So, with that sentiment, I will say farewell, and do please mind yourselves, and I'll be back next week with something else. Okay, all the best. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. See you. Bye. Dream.